Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Off Meta Report. We are here tonight, me and my co-host Jeff, and we have a special interview for you guys with Dead Broke Nerd from the Legends Cast podcast. Um, that's going to be our show for tonight. It's a pretty long interview, and we're going to let um, Jeff go ahead and get into that. Hello, uh, welcome. Uh, tonight we have Dead Broke Nerd as our interview guest here. Uh, he is a content creator, uh, mainly on YouTube, and uh, as well as one of the co-hosts of the Legends Cast podcast, uh, which we are all a, a big fan of around here. Uh, how you doing, DBN? Oh, dude, uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I got to actually play some games tonight and relax a little bit before we recorded. Monday nights are kind of my my uh, my night off where I don't have a bunch of other stuff going on, whether it's like recording or like uh, I go. So I, I boulder uh, is the only kind of main athletic endeavor I, I do anymore. <laughs> so I do that. So I, my weeknights are usually pretty busy, but Monday nights are wide open. And so I get to, you know, hang out for a bit, cook dinner, just relax, and then get to uh, fill my time however I want it, including uh, getting to come on and uh, and hang out with you guys. So pretty great. Well, we definitely appreciate you being here, um, especially if it's your your free night. Uh, definitely, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, glad you're uh, glad you're here spending uh, with, uh, with us, man. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> guys. I've been looking forward to it today. <laughs> cool, cool. Sweet um let's let's just go into your background a little bit if that's cool um i know you pretty well but um let's let's start with how did you get with content creating what have you been mainly doing um you uh you used to stream a lot but do you still do streaming uh every once in a blue moon just for fun uh i do have a lot of um kind of my old regular viewers who when i do stream they pop back in to say hi which is always a blast now but i i don't um i don't stream really much anymore so right after so after college um i i spent a lot of time working as a um a contractor or like working with a contractor um which meant i had a lot of times where i had days that i didn't have to be in by a certain time or days when um i got out early and stuff like that and so during that time i kind of was uh really getting back into my passion that i've had since a kid of, of card games you know um just having the time to play digital card games and whatnot and so when i eventually kind of had a lot of money banked uh you know and and end up moving in with a uh, an old friend of mine and rent was pretty darn cheap uh, I said, you know what, let me uh, let me go ahead and move to part-time work and start streaming and kind of doing what I'm passionate about, uh, which is playing games and recording and doing content creation stuff. So, um, and I, I already had a background in like, not necessarily performance arts, but like I'd been a voice actor since I was seven. Um, and so I already had some equipment and stuff like that just from submitting auditions. So it became a pretty natural thing for me to get in front of a mic and you know uh play games and talk about them and you know whatnot so i, I streamed the elder scrolls legends uh for i guess a year and a half almost and i was working part-time throughout that um and it it got to the point where i had a pretty consistent stream schedule and i did um i even was casting tournaments including i was on the casting team for the master series uh tournaments that was was happening the last year the tesla was in existence <laughs> yeah. um and then uh somewhere in there basically uh mark contacted me because he had watched my channel for a long time and uh he was starting up a elder scrolls legends podcast and he said hey um want to come on and be a guest be my first guest on the show so it was like episode three of uh what uh i guess was the legends cast and back in, back then and and uh e really even then my i since had upgraded my audio this was before i did all the casting for the master series and they paid to like you know upgrade the mic i'm talking on now and some other stuff so like if you go back and listen to that just both of our audio equipment is just straight <laughs> garbage <laughs> um but uh so i got to come on and do that and then we 
you know, over the next uh, couple months, he kind of interviewed some other people. I even came back to help interview the guy that inspired me to start streaming, which is Bradford Lee, who was the OG yeah. Tessel streamer. Uh, I was a huge fan of him before he even played Tessel. So uh, I got to help interview him, which I kind of got to nerd out a little bit. I mean, we've all got those people that push us into yeah. uh, content creation or whatever. Uh, and so he was one of those for me. And uh, after a while, Mark was just like, dude, you know, you come on and help me interview people anyways. Why don't you just join the show? <laughs> so um, even when Tessel died and I basically backed my streaming down to almost nothing because Tessel was my main audience. And um, I even I eventually at that point said, OK, I need to look for a full time full time gig. I'm not going to pull in the money from casting that I need to supplement my part time job, um, which is unfortunate, but ultimately good thing because um, I got the the full-time job that I have now benefits are really nice guys. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so good to have, yeah. <laughs> to have company health insurance. Can I just say that? Totally. <laughs> yep. In America for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, since then it's just been a thing where having the podcast and once we decided we both liked legends of runeterra and we wanted to switch over and pivot um obviously our, our podcast has taken off since then and and we've had a lot of great community built around it um but it has kind of been that mainstay where i still get that i still get that hit you know of getting to do some content creation and and you know putting myself out there a little bit uh even though i don't do it anywhere near as much as i used to so um still scratches that itch you know what i mean yeah, that's awesome. Um, I love hearing that, and especially about um, Bradford Lee, which uh, he was my first, the first streamer that I really started paying attention to. It was him and CVH uh, mm -hmm. before he was with Bethesda. Um, and, and just those two personalities and me being really, really fresh to card games. Yeah. It was, it was the discovery of, they're playing around cards because they are doing this next level thinking of, you know, it, that was when it came from, uh, okay, he plays his cards, I play my cards. And then it, to me, it snapped and said, oh, wait, they're trying to predict each other's cards and Bradford Lee, and, and which is, you know, if you, you're a veteran to card games, this is something that you, you know, even poker, even, you know, whatever else uh a very simple concept for the most part but that was when i was really starting to understand like okay they're racking their brain through the entire library of cards in this game in those <laughs> colors, and you know considering the the mana that they have up and they're going through the like likelihood of so on and and it just I was like, okay, I need, I probably need to watch more streaming to get better at this game, and and it definitely did. And and Bradford Lee was, he kind of had that like uh, a little bit of a, a little cockiness to him mm -hmm. that was yeah really, like I I had never really paid attention to like a streamer like that before, and he was just very very cocky about certain things, and he had his his memes or whatever, his catchphrase yeah. or whatever. I don't know what exactly it was, but, um, he was a yeah, personality, was, you know, lots of personality. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's the thing about streaming is like, you know, there's different types of streamers for sure, you know, and you've got kind of the, the people that are just like really, really good at what they're doing, you know, and then you've got people that are big personalities. You've got people that are, highly interactive and you've got the educational streams and be, i think really being successful as a streamer is you know building an audience around a certain aspects that you're naturally good at you know and and i think and as, especially when you can merging multiple aspects and that's what i thought bradford lee did so well which was taking that big personality and molding it with the willingness to interact with this community and to teach people and i mean i remember he would do new player mondays where he would like get people to you know new players could submit their decks and he'd help them with deck building building on a budget stuff like that i i remember back even back then i mean i didn't really i mean i'd played card games for my whole life and so it was one of those things where i i didn't really pay attention to all that but i always loved watching when he was going over competitive meta stuff and and or just building you know new off meta lists and stuff like that he just he, he was able to take 
multiple sides of streaming and combine them into building a diverse community. And I think that's the biggest thing. And that's what I tried to model myself after. Yeah, absolutely. And he, when he left, uh, Tesla, which Mm -hmm. we we don't have to get into, but he, (laughs) I know that for certain, a lot of his, uh, his loyal, loyal viewers, um, and, and maybe friends and everything. I, uh, at that point, probably, um, they probably left Tesla as well. Uh, there, there's a probably big, big chunk that went to Magic the Gathering, where I, I'm pretty yeah. sure he mainly played that. Um, yeah, yeah. After Tesla, maybe a few other games. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, I miss him. I and I even just uh, I, I loved watching Tesla players play Legends of Runeterra. Um, mm-hmm like uh ian bits and yeah. charmer and silver fuse mm-hmm. um you uh, you know your videos and everything it, it's just uh it's interesting to see how it translates uh between games mm-hmm. um and everything they're very different <laughs> yeah um that, that kind of brings me to my next question uh mm-hmm. what are some differences between legends of runeterra and tessel for streaming and content creation that you haven't really gone over yet oh uh so okay so differences between con- for content creation yeah um well so there's definitely i mean the mechanics of the game are so different that there's certainly aspects to so i i we talked about this on the podcast which was casting it is very 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 different um, and I've done a little bit of Runeterra casting, definitely not as much as I did with Tessel, but I, I did cast um, the uh, Legends of Runeterra Global Academy, one of their big tournaments, Silverfuse, and I got to cast. That was a lot of fun. Um, so casting, it's obviously so different because you have the passing of the turns, and that really creates this idea of you can't get, you can't dive too far into the micro plays and stuff like that because you might spend three minutes talking about what will happen when they play the spell and then it'll get nopified. And so like, you know, you'll, you'll dive down that <laughs> rabbit hole and then the trick will, you know, they'll trick the trade and then you'll be like, Oh, okay, well, and now I wasted time. So you have to, you have to definitely talk about it from the, the macro perspective, but you also can't go too far. Can't talk about anything for too long because you have to be ready to attack whatever the opponent played uh, as well. And of course, without spectator mode, uh, it becomes a lot harder to, to cast as well. But uh but from a content creation side, I, I haven't really thought directly about this, but I will say um, Tesla at the time had a much bigger card pool. Um, and so I uh, really made my bread and butter on both YouTube, but especially on Twitch. I built my audience around being what I called like competitive off meta. Um, and so I really tried to build lists that would either counter the meta or be safe in the meta enough to do something cool. Um, I don't like, I never liked the idea of strictly memeing because I am too much, I am too competitive at heart, uh, (laughs) to lose too much. (laughs) I don't like losing and I'm not okay with losing. Uh, and so I could never get to the idea of like, oh, like, you know, there's a one in 10 chance that we'll be able to pull this off. That's not good enough. I'm not going to play it. Um, <laughs> and so I, but I, but if that was a lot easier to do in Tesla, which had a massive, massive card pool and Runeterra, it's no fault of the game necessarily, but obviously it's a newer game. Um, so it's a lot harder to really dive into like so many unique interactions um, and coming up with, you know, versions and builds that other people haven't already come up with. So the idea of like coming up with something original is so much harder to do because the content creators that are huge and this is their career, you know, um, they they get through it faster than than you can. And right now, because there's just so many less interactions, which will eventually expand exponentially, um, they get through and they find all the stuff usually before you can get something out there. And so it kind of takes away the uniqueness factor. I will say like, for my YouTube channel, I used to get like, you know, and it was, a, it's a small channel. Like let's, let's not, you know, I'm not trying to make myself look, sound too influential, you know, but uh, for Tesla, I was kind of like a bigger fish in a small pond. You know what I mean? Like people knew who I was. They watched my videos. They at least knew my name from casting, you know? Um, but obviously with Runeterra, I'm a small fish in a huge pond. <laughs> uh, and uh, so when I post videos, I don't really expect to get more than, you know, 40, 50 views from the regular people that, 
you know, follow me through the podcast and also want to go and watch a video. It's a small you know, group of people, but I will say like right after, um, the, uh, the new, latest expansion was not call of the mountain. That's the whole thing. Uh, icons or something like that of power, whatever, like, something like that. Monuments of power. Monuments of power. Thank you. Um, after that, I posted a video, which I, I really want to believe was one of the first vaults of Helia lists to go up that worked to go up on the, uh, on the interwebs. I mean, that may not be accurate, but I think the fact that I received like, like 200 views in the first day or something, not quite 200 views in the first day, um, for my channel, uh, that's just so much more than, than anything else kind of meant that I had something unique going on. Right. I mean, you can kind of tell when you have that big surge and part of it is just people looking for content to consume because it's like the first couple of days. But part of it too, is when there's something that they haven't seen before, you know? Um, and yeah. that's going to be something that it's going to be a while before Runeterra is at the point where people can really start delving into all the unique, the, the Johnny's can really come out to play and compete for, from a content creation standpoint with the um you know the the swims and the mogwais and stuff like that who it's their job to make a deck on literally everything possible in the game uh yeah. otherwise they'll run out of money <laughs> right <laughs> uh yeah coming, uh, definitely coming from tesla i i have no tesla background i don't really know anything about it other than what i've mm -hmm. learned from uh, people playing this but um mm -hmm. I've seen or heard people talk that, um, you know, a lot of the mechanics in um, Legends of Runeterra are similar to mechanics in Tessel. Are there mm -hmm. any mechanics in Tessel that um, Runeterra doesn't have that you'd like to see brought in? Hmm. Um, yes, well, yes and no. Um, so the big thing that Tessel had that it seems we are getting a, I mean, we got a pretty good copy of is the landmarks. Um, Tesla had supports, um, and I think landmarks are actually a worse version of Tesla supports. Um, not not power level of the individual cards, but just functionally, um, because in Tesla you had your own little area of the board where supports would go, and just like landmarks, they really couldn't be interacted with unless something specifically called them out. Um, but with landmarks, they take up a row they take up a spot on your row which is definitely and i've already lost games because i i didn't have that sixth blocker even though i had the card in hand you know uh and um but uh but that i mean so that that was very much a thing and i think there are elements that come but i would argue that um we see more of an influence from magic than anything else on runeterra and I, i'm not a magic player i actually have a lot of grievances with magic the gathering uh i which you know i always joke on our podcast i'm just turning viewers away left and right but uh <laughs> but um I, i'm not big on magic i think it has a lot of structural issues but i think just to answer your question directly there's a few things in tessel that i really liked that i think could be modded in um in Runeterra, so I really hate Elusive in Runeterra. If there's a, a one consistent gripe I have, is I think Elusive, while not as po like potent as it was in the earlier days, I think from a strictly like philosophical standpoint, Elusive is not a fun mechanic. Um, I mean, I, I won a couple games in an expedition um, that I was just playing while I was driving. Uh, not while I was physically driving, but I, while I was riding in a car this weekend. Um, and uh, I just won a couple games because Fey Guide, I drafted a Fey Guide and it came down and gave my random thing elusive and there was no way for them to interact. And obviously in Constructed, you know, there are more and more ways to interact, but I think like Sharp Sight is a really good indication of how they think elusive should be and that, oh, we're, we want elusive in our game, but we're going to give you tools to like counter it directly. And I don't like when mechanics have direct counters. I much prefer when, um, you know, there are multiple ways to counter something, some less efficient than others. And what I really liked about both, actually both Tesla and Hearthstone um, was the idea of like the shadow lane or giving cover in Tesla would basically give, not not truly elusive, um, but the idea of like this character can't be, um, like can't be attacked uh, for the one, for like a whole turn after you play it, right? Um, which because in Tesla you didn't have the idea of assigning blockers, the attacker had the trade priority, 
quote unquote, where they get to choose if they wanted to attack a creature directly or if they want to attack the opponent's face directly, unless there was a, a card with the keyword guard and then they had to go through the guards first, right? Um, and so that's much closer to Hearthstone with like taunt. Um, but similar to Hearthstone, which had the stealth keyword, right, where it comes down uh, and it can't be targeted until it attacks. I think that something like that, something like cover where it lasts for a turn or um, stealth would be a much better implementation of the elusive uh, because then you can create elusives who have decent stat blocks and you don't have to constantly worry about the idea of like the main way to counter elusive is playing like damage based removal. Um, I think a cover system or a stealth system would be a much better way of handling it where like it has elusive until it attacks. Or until it, you know, blocks in combat. And then it's no longer elusive. It's in the fray. I mean, even just, like, thinking about the idea of it being elusive, you know, it's, uh, once it's, like, literally fighting something, it shouldn't be elusive anymore. It's, like, right up there in combat. I don't know. So more um, like, um, what is it, Navari's one-cost unit that's elusive the turn yeah, you the, play it? Mm -hmm, then, that one drop. I think yeah. if you had that, if that was what the elusive mechanic was, kind of like, um... Uh, barrier is where like compared to divine shield and hearthstone right. or uh, ward and tessel where it lasts permanently they they realized i think smartly that like those were game warping keywords in both hearthstone and uh tessel at certain points in those games history and so having barrier just last for the turn gives you that power surge on the turn you play it and you have to make the most of it um, otherwise it's kind of fizzles after that. And if your opponent can just hold out for that turn, it's okay. And I think a similar approach to elusive would be a good way to kind of bridge that gap and make it a lot more of an interactive and interesting keyword where they can print elusives that they don't have to constantly nerf into the ground, you yeah. know, I, I uh, over time. That's the problem with elusives right now is just the balance behind them. I think they're just too hard to, to balance. They're either yeah. super strong or like right now, you know, they're, they're useless. You know, mm -hmm. like you don't, you went from seeing Shadow Assassin in every single deck that ran Ionia. I mean, I, I don't even know when the last time I saw a Shadow Assassin in a deck. Same thing with Solitary Monk, same thing with Greenblade mm -hmm. Duo, like the, the cards just died. Yeah, it's either going to be unplayable or broken. And, you know, and that just strictly has to do with, is an elusive card statted, in, you know, incorrectly? If so, it's really strong. Uh, and then once it's statted correctly, quote unquote, for balance, it becomes not worth playing. Right. Um, so, I mean, that I mean, not to not to gripe on, you know, Runeterra, that, that's like really one of my very few lingering complaints is elusive. And I mean, I, you know, um, it's not that I can't play around it. I mean, right now, obviously, it's not super strong. I think you could still argue that it may be in a tournament environment where you can like if you know you're like counter queuing a, a certain deck, like let's say it's a um was it a uh, last hero standing format where like the winning deck stays you could argue that playing an elusive list in your uh, uh in your lineup could be good um because you know that it can counter certain popular decks out there even if as a whole on the ladder it's you know much easier uh, to exploit but uh, you know and we're not really in a big like tournament scene yet but we're getting there so i mean th and that's something yeah. that like we haven't even kind of broached within runeterra that like tessel and hearthstone you know both uh had big tournament metas and you know there were decks that were amazing tessel decks uh that you really just didn't want to play on the ladder you know but they were amazing in tournaments so um it'll be cool to see how that how you know consistent tournaments especially if you can get you know noteworthy content creators being involved in them i mean i, I have no doubt someone like swim or bbg you know, would be involved in that because they're both, you know, consistently strong competitive, you know, players. And um, personally, I, I think Silver Fuse would do really well as well. Um, so, you know, that is unexplored terrain when it comes to Runeterra largely and something that I would be really excited to see that. It, it's not a Tesla mechanic, but it is a, you know, a, a fundamental part of the Tesla community was evaluating ladder lists versus tournament lists and i miss that yeah i agree i think there's a big difference in what you can play in the ladder and how you play in a tournament and um you know having a band system even when we had the gauntlet like i think a lot of people that was one of the um one of the things that people loved about the gauntlet that we had where you had the band opportunity you know people people um got 
introduced to more of a competitive tournament style mm-hmm. without actually playing in a tournament. I think a lot of people really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was good feedback, I think, too, just for the devs to kind of evaluate um, how things are going to perform because that's likely going to be the, you know, competitive format. That's it's the most obvious competitive format. I still think uh, Runeterra would be an incredible game for side decking. Um, I, I felt that like that would not have been a great option for Tesla, which has a lot of kind of swingy cards. Um, and you know, the prophecy mechanic is not something I would want to see repeated anywhere. That was, that was my, <laughs> that was my biggest complaint in Tesla is they had this keyword called prophecy for those of you listeners who, who aren't familiar where basically, uh, they had a really great system. Oh, and here, here's, here's a good one. Um, so something that I think would be really cool in, in Runeterra potentially, and I don't think you would add it to the base mechanics but you might make it a like a a champion mechanic or or a faction mechanic or something but um they had this uh mechanic called runes where as you lost health you would get to draw cards to compensate and potentially help you make a comeback um and so you had a rune at 5 10 15 20 and 25 where once you went below that threshold uh, the rune would bre- the rune would break and you'd draw that card, um, and so that was their way of stymieing aggro. Runeterra's way of stymieing aggro is spell mana, which I think is a lot more uh, interesting, and I think makes this game. You know, this spell mana like individually was the thing that made me want to try Runeterra. I mean, I was a Dota man. Okay, I know the Dota uh, champions like the back of my hand, and I don't know anything about League of Legends or the lore or anything. Um, but, uh, seeing the spell mana system felt really smart, uh, as a way to naturally counter aggro. Um, but the rune system was something that I thought was decent as well. Uh, even if the prophecy mechanic, which was a keyword where if you drew, you know, if your rune breaks and you draw a card with prophecy, you get to instantly play it for free. And that just massively warped games where you would have a game where one player is so clearly in the lead and just based on drawing one of those three cards, uh, one of those three copies at that time uh, could completely sway the course of a game. And it was one of the things that I felt was, despite Tesla being a, a you know, fundamentally good, strong game with a lot of choices to make, it did make some games kind of like, you know, what, what I call like non-games, like it, it didn't. You know, it, it shouldn't have gone that way. Like, you know, it's, it was a purely RNG thing that uh, that warped it. And, and you could argue certainly that like card draw, you know, it, is inherently RNG. But that's like that's just the association with card games. Like, you have just have to accept that like card draw is RNG, but you it's controllable RNG because of the fact that you were the one building your deck. Yeah, I think it comes down um, to like and you're you're. Yeah, you're accepting the yeah. RNG that could happen to you when it comes to your deck building because you have a say in it. Yeah, it's like the consistency um, that you build your deck with. That was one of the big exactly. things. Exactly. You know, when, um, when I played Pokemon, like, it was mm. it was getting a deck that you could, you know, you had your win condition, and it was, I need to be able to pull this win condition off every game. Mm-hmm. So how can I how can I do that? Like, what steps can I take to make this deck um, consistent enough to where I can get the cards that I need. You know, and that's 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 all the game was. It was can you get a consistent enough deck to where you can pull off your win condition? And I think it's a little different with uh, Legends of Terra because I think most decks play for multiple win conditions, mainly because of the spell mana. Um, you didn't have anything like that in uh, in Pokemon. You know, you could play until you couldn't play pretty much, mm-hmm. but um. So with the spell mana limiting you, you know, it makes it a lot more on your curve. I mean, that's part of the consistency there. You know, you don't want to leave turn five before you can play a card. You know, it makes it it makes yeah. it rough. I do think I do think I'd like to see like more tutor cards in um, Runeterra. I don't think that there's enough for that. I, I think that would help help a lot of um, consistency with decks and give people more options to play things that are harder win conditions to pull off because you're going to have a better chance of getting what you need. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, tutors are always something that I I largely like them in game design. You have to be careful, obviously, that you don't go too crazy with them. And you always want to pull very specific things. Um, you don't want tutors that are going to pull, like, 
you know, you you need it to pull a broad enough thing where there's it's not going to pull the same thing every time because then that's a level of consistency you don't need. Um, but it needs to also be um, specific enough that you can't also go and pull anything. Like it needs to pull certain types of things. So for example, like a card that would um, a card that like pulls your champions, right? Like that's fine. You, but you're accepting certain deck building restrictions. If you if you play uh, was it entreat? Yeah. Is that right? If you play entreat, you're basically saying it's going to be a 50-50 approximately shot between getting the one champion or the other champion. And I either need to be playing a deck where I want both and they're interchangeable, or um, I need to play a deck where I'm accepting that if I'm playing two champions, I am, you know, okay if I get the wrong one at at that time. Or you basically take what is effectively a handicap because champions are the strongest cards in the game. Uh, and you're taking a handicap if you want Entreat to pull the same thing every time. Yeah. So if you want Entreat to always pull Braum, you know you need to not run, um, you know Sejuani, right? Even though Sejuani is an incredibly powerful card in and of itself on its own, you're taking that handicap into consideration. And so you kind of have to have that balancing. I, I, that's why I think Entreat is a great card. But on the flip side, if you took something like, um, like I think it, I think uh, what's that new one? Uh, the shaping. Uh, paths, uh, um, branching paths, the one that pulls landmarks. Oh yeah, um, divergent. Divergent paths, right? I I don't love divergent paths, although I I actually do like the card overall. But as a tutor for landmarks, I feel that uh, it's a little underwhelming or rather overcosted. Where I would have loved to see that tutor on a creature, you know, some sort of like um you know explorer or something that when they come down they'll draw a landmark from your deck i mean landmarks are already pretty pricey um except for star spring and then you, you really don't in that those lists you don't really need to tutor i guess or you can yeah i mean if you but, tutor for Sp- star spring i think that takes a lot of the value away from it. you just pay you know five mana for a two yeah. card basically that's right and that's kind of what i i feel like with uh with the more specific of the card it's going to be and the more niche the card is, the more efficient the tutor should be. Um, I remember in Tesla, a good example is there was a type of card um, is effectively kind of like the spells that we have now that buff things, um, but it was called items and um, items were typically were basically any of the spells that would buff things uh, were items, you know, and uh, they, they work just like spells and, you know, but they were they had that subdivision. Um, and items were largely, um, outside of a couple that were very strong because of their effects, items weren't really built around too much. Um, most of the time, spells were the ones that were built around because spells would do most of the interaction with the opponent. Um, and because in that game, uh, in Tesla, there's a lot of ways, kind of like in Hearthstone, to just straight blow something up. You know, pay five mana, blow up anything, right? You really didn't want your guys to get too big, you know? Um, you wanted to spread your stats out across a wider board than you did um, stack them tall on one unit because most of the time you couldn't really protect it. Um, but they eventually came out with this card called Crucible Blacksmith, which was a two-mana zero-one. But when it comes down, uh, you got to search your deck for an item and put it into your hand. Um, and what that did was, A, yeah, it puts down a body that isn't very good, but you can then equip that item to that body if you can't get another creature out, right? Um, and because it's items, I mean, it's a perfect recipient of the item. Um, and I think that what you know what that did was it says, okay, if you want to play an item list and you want to be able to search out specific items, you can do this now. You can play those decks where um, you need to, to kind of have these two different items in your hand to pull off some really cool effect, right? Um, and we're going to allow you to do that, but you know we're going to give you a creature that is a little bit of a, a loss in tempo to do it. Um, but on the flip side, you can still equip it. Like it's just, it was a el- really elegant design and something that I think if we restrict the idea of uh, tutors to being mostly on spells, you're really missing out on a lot of potential for um, you know tutors and the you know resulting cards. Like let's say you had a tutor that would only pull a troll, right? I mean, I think tribal synergy is one of the most popular things. Why not have tutors for trolls? Why not have tutors for, um, well, you, you actually do with Poros, and I think that the Poro Herdmaster is a great example of a good tutor, um, even though, you know, Poros are kind of meme yeah. <laughs> But uh, 
Um, the more I think we see tutors, the more I want to see them on creatures. Yep, I, I would agree with that for sure. Um, yeah, there was a just a lot uh, to comment about that, that as well. Um, yeah, I have a I tendency just, to kind of ramble. <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, I think it it definitely it keeps it interesting. I, I like hearing what you're saying. Um, tutors, I definitely miss tutors. I, to an extent, from Tessel, I I miss removal to an extent sometimes it's too mm -hmm. efficient in in lor sometimes it's too costly like crumble or mm -hmm. you know there's there's so many of them it seems like <laughs> um that are just no one's gonna play this you know no one's gonna want to play this uh uh but yeah i there's a lot of things that that tussle did really really well um mm -hmm. absolutely agree um and Laura is still a uh, still still a work in progress, so we'll see what happens for sure. We still have a a third of the expansion <laughs> coming yeah, up soon, and that's the cool thing, the cool position that Runeterra is in. Um, you know, the market saw that big surge of CCGs after Hearthstone like went so big, where everyone wanted a, a piece of the pie, just like they did with MOBAs, just like they did with battle royales. Like every company wants to make their own, but then you get to this really nice sweet spot where you have just a couple remaining after a lot of the other ones are weeded out. And unfortunately, Tesla was weeded out. Um, yeah. you know, but that really had more to do with a lot of other factors as opposed to what is a good game. But what's cool about that is that after that happens and you see that slight decline, um, A, you're left with a really loyal player base who knows what they want. They've seen games that do things good. They've seen games that do things bad. They know what they want. They know what works. And the devs get that information too. The devs get to look and see what was popular in this game, what worked from this game, what didn't work from this game, and what can we, I mean, as you know, as crummy as it sounds, what can we rip off? I mean, like, you know, uh, I think, so I, I'm a big like D&D &D player um, and, and RPG uh, player, and I DM a lot. And uh, for those of you who aren't uh, DMs, um, bear with me, but there's this great YouTuber, Matthew Colville, probably anyone who's a DM knows about him. Um, and, uh, one of the things he says, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here is, um, as a, a DM is only as good as the obscurity of the references that he pulls from. Right. And, you know, because if you can pull from a great book or a great, um, uh, you know, television show that you liked and you put that into your game and you insert that into your game, um, players are going to love it as long as they don't realize you're ripping it off, right? Um, and even then, they might be okay with it anyways. Uh, but that's kind of how it goes for CCGs, right? I mean, you have this backlog of, of history of all these different games and all these different ideas that they had that you can source for your game. And I think Runeterra is in this really like great position to do that because right now, the competition is is sparse and, and it's okay. They, I don't even think they really want to directly compete with Hearthstone because they're marketing it so differently, you know, and that's good. That allows them to see what Hearthstone did right and wrong. See what Tesla did right and wrong. Gwent, you know, eternal, all those things. And some of those games are still, you know, being played, you know, but the bottom line is you have that big pool of examples. Go ahead and use it. Totally. Um, I, I don't think that there's a CCG in existence that didn't at some point copy something from her, uh, I was going to say Hearthstone, but uh, Magic the Gathering. Magic, yeah. <laughs> or, or even probably Pokemon. I, I don't know enough about Pokemon, mm -hmm. but there's that was the first CCG that I discovered. So Yeah, same um, here. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised that that would be one. Um. Oh, I'm looking forward to uh, playing some more AFK Arena, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or some Raid Shadow Legends. Raid, Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> I love those ads, dude. The Raid oh, Shadow man. Legends ads are hilarious. I've, I've I've considered giving up, um, Legends of Runeterra just so I won't get those AFK Arena and Raid Shadow Legends <laughs> ads on every single YouTube video. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like them though; they're funny. Oh. <laughs> the AFK Arena ones, they're not, but I love the uh, <laughs> Rage Those AFK Arenas are so cringe, man. 
Yeah, oh, they yeah. are. Yeah. I'm playing this champion. What are you playing? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, God, just give no, me five so, seconds. They're so bad. Five seconds. Dude, I thought you were gaming right now. I'm not gaming. I'm playing AFK Arena. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So bad. And we're talking about it. Exactly what and they want. Every, every yeah, now and then, it worked. Every, every now and then, it'll come up with a 15 second ad that you can't skip, and it's just like, no, I don't want to watch this for 15 seconds. Oh uh, yeah. Well, YouTube uh, algorithms. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, so, uh, and and this, you know, what's everybody's thoughts on Legends of Runeterra at the moment? Like. You know, DBN, let's start with you, I suppose. I've talked a lot. <laughs> At any yeah. point, you could tell me to shut it. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we've talked about elusives. He's probably one thing you don't want to see so much. Um, I guess we covered that pretty good. Um, Formula, got what, any other? Yeah, I mean, what... Um... I know we talked about the cards in the game. What what about the other aspects of the game? How do you think that they stack up with other card games as far as, you know, the artwork, the storytelling, the um, involvement from the devs, things like that? How how do they stack up with the um, past card games that you played? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to take those individually, not go too in-depth with them. Um, in terms of, like, involvement from the devs, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, Tessel had a hard time because there was not a lot of communication. And Hearthstone was even worse, in my opinion, because they took too long to balance anything, which really is like the worst the worst thing ever. Um, and so I, I had a lot of gripes when I was a Hearthstone player, um, different gripes when I was a Tessel player. And so far in Runeterra, they're, they're communicating what they're doing and why they're doing it. And that's really important to set expectations. Uh, for players and if players don't like how someone's how the, the devs are balancing it you know they'll know to get out before you know it gets too you know they get too far in right yeah um and similarly you know they they balance things often and so it keeps the environment fresh i know a lot of people don't like uh, you know how often they balance it but you know for me because i'm not like that big tournament player and i'm also not like a you know, master's level ladder player. And, and I, I want to believe that I could do it. And, and, you know, as someone who's a former, you know, legends or not legends, but like legend player, which is the equivalent of master and Tessel, like I hit legend every season. Like, you know, I hit legend once in Hearthstone <laughs> that one's so grindy. Uh, but, uh, I, but I don't have time to grind anymore, you know, but the, the bottom line is if I was someone who was playing it, um, you know, every day from the competitive side of things, I can see the idea of being annoyed with frequent, like as, updates that are as frequent as they are. Um, but I think for the two extremes, you know, either a more casual player who's just excited that something's different, wants to try a new thing, especially the fact that they buff things is incredible for the game, if, in my opinion. Um, but um, also for the players that are like the, the content creators, that's really good for them too. Um, and, and because it just keeps them on their toes, keeps them producing content for things. Oh, this thing got buffed. Oh, this thing got nerfed. Let's make changes. Here's the video, you know? Um, and I think, I think when the content creators can stay happy, which is hard to do, and they're not going to always be happy when the content creators can largely stay happy, the game tends to flourish. Um, and so I think that um, they're doing a really good job in terms of the communication side of things, the balancing side of things. Um, as for the economy, um, obviously this is the most generous game, uh, most generous like free-to-play card game I've ever played, like end of conversation. I really like that because I am not, while I'm not like a collector, you know, uh, like um, someone who really wants to go for the hunt of collecting all the things. Like the you know kind of like similar to like the hundred percenters on certain you know games like I remember playing Batman Arkham Asylum and like the first one and wanting to hundred percent the game and I did and it was cool but like that's a that's like there are a certain type of people who do that in every game and I'm I'm not that kind of person I don't need to get every single card I need to get all the cards that are playable and that are good because I want to try all the different you know decks. And I think for those type of players, it's really, really good. I think it's also great for the new player to really feel like they're building a collection when they jump in. And after you know a week, they get a champion. Like right away, boom, now you can play a new deck. Boom, now you can play another new deck. Um, that's really, really good. I think the only gripe I guess I would have 
it was well, not even a gripe. It's just I I hope that you know the game doesn't lose those types of you know, like goal oriented players that aren't competitive players. You have you have the goal oriented players that want to hit masters, but then you have the goal oriented players that want to log in and do their you know daily quests, right? Um, I mean that's how I was in Hearthstone for a long time. I, I wasn't necessarily trying to hit uh, legend every season. Cause that's just that why well, I didn't have time for it. I was in college when I played Hearthstone, but I, I did want to log in every day and get my quest, you know, and build the different decks that could make sure I could get my quest. Um, and I think that, you know, in the times, you know, the few times where I felt like I had most of the collection were the times I stopped playing Hearthstone because Getting all the cards meant, you know, what's the point of doing the quest if I'm just banking the gold and not spending it, you know, because I've got everything I need. Um, now, that was only like two seasons, you know, and then I eventually <laughs> ran out. Hearthstone's economy was so bad. But, um, you know, for the free-to-play players who also are like the, you know, uh, ones who want to clear their quests, I worry that we might turn some of them off. Um, but overall... It's 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 good. Um, artwork. I'm 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 happy with artwork. I, there's I'm not someone who freaks out over artwork. It, it, you know, if, as long as it's serviceable, I'm fine with it. Um, I will say though, I I did in Tesla. Tesla was always so serious, right? You know, that all the cards yeah. were very serious, and there was a couple that were funny, and I loved the ones that were funny. Mornhold Trader yeah. was like my favorite. I loved that guy, um, and yeah. I can't remember exactly what he said. Uh, because the wastelands were good. Yeah, but they uh, were they were like cheeky because he's a traitor, you know. <laughs> um Oh man, I wish I had remembered too. I, I know, man. You guys are gonna have to splice it in somewhere. You hunt it down and splice it. or something. Uh, yeah, something like that, you know. Uh and then when you attack with him, and didn't see this coming or whatever. That's it. <laughs> didn't see this coming, eh? Yeah. <laughs> you know when he betrays you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause because his he was like a two-mana four-four, but when he died, he gave your opponent a two-one guard. Uh, you know, and so uh, but when you know when he died or when he uh, when he attacked, didn't see this coming, eh? <laughs> that was like the best yeah. line. Was, was he oh, Canadian man. either? Hmm? What's that? Was he Canadian with the the A? No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but it was, it, it, was it was so no. good, such yeah, a really. good. Uh, but but there that those are fewer and farther between. There was a lot of kind of cringy voice lines in Tessel, you know, where they were trying to be too serious. But Hearthstone was always so goofy and fun and flippant. And I feel like we have this really nice middle ground, you know, in uh, in Runeterra, where you've got some serious ones, some goofy ones. I like that the, the the champions will talk to each other sometimes, or some of the cards, and then you get like. Uh, gems like the dreg dredgers, which are just the best. They're my favorite yeah. voice line. Eat the trash, eat the trash. Ha ha ha. Like, so good. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> I can listen to that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can Have listen to those all day. Have three. <laughs> Have three. <laughs> <laughs> so, I that that's definitely like. You know, those are the intangibles that I think really make people fall in love with a game. Absolutely. I I totally agree. There's so many uh, voice lines from, from both Tessel and Legends of Ruterra that I was just like, I just want to play this card because I like the silly things that they're saying. Like, that's, yeah. that's just me mostly. I got to find a deck that plays this card and uh, play normal in it. Just so that I can play this card. Yeah. Uh, I like how Trusty Codger has like a, a a boxing bell when he when he yeah, dies, ding, ding. and <laughs> just they do a really good job telling a story without even telling a story, almost. Yeah. yeah. Like um, some of um, I think one of the best examples of that is uh, Fiora, and um, some of the characters interact with her. You know. If only Fiora could see me now, and she's like, and if she's yeah. on the board, he can, and she's not impressed. <laughs> Those, that's just like I said, it's just the little things that add so much character to a game that makes people smile and and have those kind of positive, emotional reactions. Even if you know they might be really more focused on winning, they'll remember it and it'll make the game more enjoyable. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Jeff, you well, have anything else tonight, man? Not really, unless you have something else that we can all chat about. 
No, I think I'm good. I think um enjoyed having you on. Uh DBN has been a great time, man. Great time chatting and uh learning more about Tesla and learning more about you really. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it, man. It's felt like a uh throwback to Tesla the, the Tesla days with DBN and Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like, man, I'm just reminiscing right now. But. We really did hone in on that side of things, but uh, I think there's a lot to learn, as, uh, you know, between the two. And, um, you know, Tesla just had a lot of things that went well for it, but also a lot of things to learn from. And so, you know, you get to the point where holding things up in comparison is really beneficial for understanding things better. Like you need those, you need those contrasting elements to, know why something's working well or why something's not working well so I, I i always love comparing card games and i mean i could go down that rabbit hole for i mean i've played almost two hands worth of of card games competitively like throughout my life uh so uh i mean i every once in a while i'll always be like i'll see something i'll be like oh my gosh this is just like in versus system and people are like you know what uh, we didn't play that game, Ian. You know, cut it out. Uh, you know, or oh, this was like in the first edition of Legend of the Five Rings, and then they're like, okay, we really don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so you know, <laughs> well, at least with Tesla, we have enough of a mainstay that uh, that I can I can geek out about it. <laughs> For sure. Well, man, you are welcome to come geek out on this podcast anytime you like. It's been a great time. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I, I really appreciate that, and I'm happy to come back whenever you guys, uh, whenever you guys need a goofball like me to to lend a voice. So we promise, if you come back again, we won't uh, we won't ask you to co-host like Mark. Like, hey, man, you're you're here twice. Let's go ahead and just just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guess what? You well, I appreciate podcasts. that. Mark, Mark told us that you're off limits. That we can have you once. And right. He, he's got mm, you the rest of the I, time. I he. He does in the intro say that I'm ever faithful. So I guess this yes. is like sort of like cheating on him. But if I was a co-host, it definitely would be, you know, inappropriate uh, podcast relationship. So yeah, definitely yeah. can't do that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you. thank you for stopping by anyway, man. We really do appreciate it and really, uh, really had a good time with you tonight. So, Absolutely, dude. I had a blast.